so hard. What is up, guys? Welcome to the All In <laughs> Podcast. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Mike Badzik, and joining me for the 70-something time, 76th time, I think, uh, is my co-host, great friend, Eli Cooper. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, man. Shout out to my cousin, Anthony Shelton, the producer yeah. of our pod intro music. It's incredible to listen to. It gets me pumped for the show every time so uh but yeah man glad to be back once again we've got quite a bit to talk about man we've got a jam-packed show today we are actually switching it up a little bit and we're starting in nba news because uh, we've been kind of teasing for a couple of weeks that the season is right around the corner, and it is truly the corner uh, one week from today. We're recording on Tuesday the 12th uh, is the first regular season game, and we've got news to cover. We will start with your team, the Philadelphia 76ers, and Ben Simmons, who's been kind of on a hiatus from this team, has requested a trade, doesn't want to be there anymore. Um, after you know years of failing and the, the postseason failures last year kind of crescendoed into this holdout. Um, but now it looks like that has ended and he is reported to camp. Uh, what should we make of this Ben Simmons situation as it stands today? Well, I think um, the last time we talked about Ben Simmons, I kind of predicted this, that he would be the one to cave first in this situation. I guess those... Uh, lower and lower checks were starting to add up yeah (laughs) um i didn't i didn't think the holdout really made sense in the first place they were already shopping you trying to trade you uh so the trade demand really didn't make any sense it was not going to speed up the process it actually made it much more difficult um so not only did he lose himself some money i think he hurt his trade value um yeah i i think this was if i'm being quite honest I think this is a malpractice by Rich Paul. Mm. Um, and and granted, I'm I'm a Rich Paul fan. I've always been a fan of Rich Paul. I, I love that, you know what I mean? He he's done it his own way, obviously he had huge help by being a, a LeBron associate. But those guys sure. all those guys have built uh massive careers for themselves, um, you know, from nothing. And it's something envious. He, he didn't do it the traditional way, you know, going to college and getting the degrees and all that stuff. And maybe he should have, because this was not, this was not a good move for Ben Simmons. Uh, this wasn't a good move, um, you know, for his client. If, and again, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be too harsh because ultimately at the end of the day, his job is to do what Ben Simmons tells him to do. So if this was Ben Simmons idea and he advised against it, uh, then no harm, no foul. But if this was something that he supported wholeheartedly or pushed for, um, I, I would sue if I was Ben Simmons, if this was Rich Paul's idea. Uh, and I see why Nerlens Noel, uh, you know, is suing Rich Paul and, and Clutch Sports be- after feeling neglected. Obviously, there's some mismanagement going on over there um, because this this didn't make any sense for Ben Simmons whatsoever. It did nothing but cost him money, and now he's back, um, you know, in the same situation that he was in prior to the holdout. What was the point? What was the point? And and here's my issue now where Rich Paul, you mentioned him, and, and I've been on their side as well. Like, I've always said, you know, it's great for players to have this kind of a say. It's great for Rich Paul uh, as, a, as a black agent to have this kind of influence. But now we're looking at this Ben Simmons situation. And it's been nothing but, but excuses the entire time. It was Doc Rivers. It was Joel Embiid's fault. It was Morris fault. It was everyone's fault but Ben Simmons. Uh, right. Situation where, you know, he's he's missing 360K per game missed, I think it was. And, and, and that number totaled over a million dollars in games because it included those preseason games. So he loses out on a million bucks. And then magically, uh, the next day, here he comes ready to go. You know, he's he's done forfeiting the money, I guess. So I'm looking at this situation. I don't see how this works, though. I mean, it's not like Ben Simmons is doing much in practice anyway. If if we've seen anything the past uh, three years, it's that practice doesn't seem to be doing much for him. He certainly hasn't improved 
on the offensive side of the ball. Defense is maybe another story, but not sure what's getting done at, uh, at practice anyway. Uh, but the questions are all still here. Like, like him showing up doesn't actually resolve anything. It doesn't resolve the relationship with Joel Embiid, who had some pretty harsh comments uh, for Ben Simmons. Past couple of weeks, he, he said it was awkward. He kind of, um, you know, questioned his integrity almost. He said the move was weird for him to hold out. So you have Joel Embiid, who clearly uh, this is going to be awkward. When, when Ben Simmons shows up to His first, um, kind of confusing. I don't know how Doc Rivers is going to handle this. Then you go all the way to the top of Daryl Morey, who is, you know, tasked with trying to move Ben Simmons. All the while, he's playing on the team in this dysfunctional uh, franchise that we've seen now be dysfunctional really since the process began. This is just the latest iteration of the process failing, where you end up, you teach these guys. I, I've been saying this for for years now, and. Uh, over a year now on this podcast, I've been saying, when you treat these guys like uh, winners, when really nothing they have done has been winning, it's been all losing, but you treat them like winners anyway, there becomes a certain level of entitlement that comes with that. And any spoiled, uh, and you get spoiled, Exactly what has happened now in the past couple of weeks with this Ben Simmons situation. I don't know how he shows up at practice now with Joel Embiid and with Doc Rivers. And this isn't awkward, right? So, like, here, I'll ask you as the as the Sixer fan here, like, what do you expect from this Joel Embiid-Ben Simmons relationship going forward? Yeah, I mean, uh, Joel Embiid actually kind of addressed this to where, you know, uh, there were claims that Ben Simmons felt, um, you know, that Joel Embiid was was prioritized, and he he Joel Embiid flat out said, "No, that's that's not true." Like mm. he said, "We we got out, we signed Al Horford and didn't keep Jimmy Butler so that Ben could have the ball in his hands more." Didn't really that didn't really make any sense whatsoever. But that literally that they, they that's what they did. He said, "I've adopted my game to shoot more threes so that I could space the floor better for Ben." Um, you know, he, he talked about a number of different things that they've done. He said, they've always, they've sacrificed defense in some cases for shooting mm-hmm. because of Ben, like the team has always been structured more towards Ben than Embiid because Embiid is the more adaptable offensive player. Um, so right. yeah, at these, that false sense of entitlement has been there for Ben Simmons throughout his entire career. It's held him back. And he blames the Sixers when really he needs to blame uh, the people around him, his dad, his trainers. Like all those guys are the ones who are responsible for his lack of development. Simple as that. That's the the one constant that's been in the Sixers over the last four years has been uh, when when they've lost in the playoffs, that teams have exploited Ben Simmons' inability to shoot. And it's gotten so bad to the point where Ben Sim- they didn't even have to even try. Ben Simmons just let them exploit that. Like he he was passing up layups and dunks. Like there's nothing that the Sixers right. can do as an organization that makes you dunk the ball when you're wide open rather than trying to drop it off to Matisse Thibel. There's nothing they can do for that. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? It's just it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, to to blame the the organization. And like you said, the entitlement is the reason why. He's not ready to look at himself and say, you know what, I haven't been improving in the areas where my team needs me to improve. That's a hard conversation to have with yourself. And until he's ready to have it, he'll never get better as a player. And it's as simple as that. Yeah, and, and even you think about this, and we've said this before, like where this started. Like when did this saga really begin? And you could point to those James Harden trade rumors, and we've done that before. But even the fact that Ben Simmons looked at those James Harden trade rumors and was like offended by it or, or, or couldn't believe that the Sixers would do this. Dude, there's like seven players that could be offended should be offended if their name is James Harden trade. You're not close to being on that level. Like you have to understand. Uh, and this is what I'm saying. Like when you treat losers like winners their whole career. This is what you get. You get a, a, te- a team of losers and it's titled in it uh, that creates this false falsehood in their own heads that they're better than what they are. So uh, I think it's a serious 
issue for them. So, so real quick, last thing on, on this uh, Ben Simmons stuff again. So what are you, you know, what are you projecting out then? I guess, I guess we're a week away from the season. We maybe should do some uh, over-unders uh, later this week or before our next episode. We might have a podcast for that. Yeah. Um, do you think they're a playoff team though? Are they a top five seed? Yeah, they're still a playoff team, um, and probably a top five seed. Uh, the I mean, the East isn't super deep. Um, so just off the top of my head, teams I'd take over them: the Nets, the Bucks. I think the Hawks probably have a breakout season, and that's about. It. I may be forgetting somebody um, of teams that for sure I would take over them. Um, I do like the Heat, but I, uh, after the Kyle Lowry edition, but um, you know he, he's getting up there in age, and the Heat were not very good in the regular season last year. So we'll see how that pans out. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they're certainly yeah. still a playoff team. I think they're a top five seed. Uh, I don't think performance wise it'll really matter all that much in the regular season. Um, and honestly, I think they're going to try to do what they can to trade Ben by the deadline. Um, but he's going to have to play his value back up, you know, remind people what yeah. he does best, which like the, the up until all-star break, Ben Simmons always, he, you know, he fools everybody every year. So that will happen again. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll get enough. They'll find someone who will give up enough value to move on from him um, and and be done with this whole thing. So let's let's move on from the to uh, probably the favorite in the East in the preseason. Really, the title favorites all preseason has been the Brooklyn Nets, and and you know a couple of weeks we've been living out this Kyrie Irving um, saga where he does not want to get vaccinated in the. York looking at over half the game being missed by Kyrie here. So he hasn't been able to participate yet. Now the Nets came out today on Tuesday and said that he won't be a part-time player. Uh, he's not going to play until he is eligible to play in home games, which, which means anti-vaccine, right? I think we can, we can draw that conclusion. Um, right. So what does this mean for the Nets? What does this mean for Kyrie? Like, um, like what do we? I mean, it's it's probably really devastating for the Nets um, as an organization to to kind of be forced into this decision um, because they threw all the chips in. I mean, they they traded every young asset and pick that they had for James Harden, uh, assuming that this big three was going to yeah. be it. You know, they've and and this ain't the first time they've done this. You know the. The terrible Celtics trade was the last time they, you know, for KG and Paul Pierce was the last time they really went all in and it, and it backfired. And man, isn't it looking like it's going to happen again? Because, um, you know, this is going to go longer than one year. I can tell you that. Like, it's not just going to be, oh, Kyrie will sit this year. We'll get it back next year, right? It's like, you if you as a player are making this decision, the Nets will absolutely look to move on from him uh at some point i would say if i was them i'd do it as soon as possible but uh any player sitting out for a season is pretty much saying like listen you guys are secondary in my priorities which is fine like that's 100 percent okay uh to say but it also is okay for the nets to say all right well we're trying to win a championship you know what i mean like then you have to go you know what i mean we have you need to like retire we'll trade you whatever like they're gonna have to find a resolution because i just i don't see that he's just gonna be able to magically come back next season still unvaccinated like that's not that rule ain't gonna go away i don't think it's going away yeah yeah and and the thing is the nets kind of had to come to this because is it crazy to think that more cities will adopt that kind of a policy you know what i mean as as the pandemic rages on yeah, you know what I mean? Like more more cities could adopt that policy, which means less than 41 games. And then what happens in the playoffs? Like you can't 
have a guy showing up literally for just road games in the playoffs. It just doesn't make any sense. And you also can't set the expectation that like, Hey, you know, um, Kyrie's different. He doesn't have to show up to practice. He doesn't have to do what the rest of the team does. He can just show up on road games and play 35 minutes a night. Like that's not, no one's doing that. So it's unfortunate for the nets, honestly. Um, And, and I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, making your own choice on the vaccination thing. Um, but uh-huh. if you if you do make that choice, whatever choice you make, you have to live with the consequences and you have to be prepared to deal with them. And Kyrie obviously is like basketball is not as important as um, staying unvaccinated to him. So, you know, it is what it is. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the remainder of his career plays out, because um I think after this, he's going to be, he was already being labeled as like a trouble maker, you know what I mean? Like, or a problem creator within organizations that that's not a new report. That's not something new. And this is like the, the cherry on top in terms of that. So I I agree. You know, what they should. I don't really want to debate that because the situation is not going to be able to play. He wants to program like we floated. So we say Ben Simmons for Kyrie trade. Well, as if you play. Uh, a team from for the war if he tra- gets traded to the war, he starts to miss this series. Like as simple as get him out of new. This is a NBA issue for him, so he might have to step away. Even say you think of a, a state who really would never enforce something like this. Let's just take a Florida for example, like that. That doesn't that doesn't have these issues. When you're really shit out of luck, uh, based on luck of the draw, you could be in big trouble. Um, it's a weird situation, and Kyrie's a weird. So we're used to him being in weird situations. Yeah. I think this is anything new here. Okay, I think we've talked enough NBA for now. Let's let's move on to NFL. Um, and before we start talking about uh, the, our week five recap, there was news in the NFL uh, this week. John Gruden resigned. As coach uh, going, so it started with a, a racist email that we see uh, regarding uh, the NFL president Demarcus Smith. Uh, he made a racist show about him first. That kind of kicked this off, um, and then loaded it. Now more emails emerge that were homophobic in nature and also misogynist um, of a lot of gay slaves by John Gruden um, just 
just a really gross set of emails off and private texting somebody. These were work emails, these things. So John Gruden is out. Um, thoughts on this, Eli? Um, me and my family were about 20 years early on John Gruden uh, being a racist. Uh, uh, we have never liked that guy. Um, we thought his Super Bowl was fluky yeah. because he took over a, a team that Tony Dungy built. Um, he that he clashed with Keyshawn Johnson, who, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, as soon as you're done, uh, go check out the clip of Keyshawn Johnson discussing John Gruden um, on YouTube uh, from today. It was brilliant. Uh, and that's from someone who knows him pretty well, won a Super Bowl with him, and their their problems are well documented. But um, it's it's a brilliant watch or listen. Um, yeah, and then uh, but as far as you know, John Gruden goes. I I wasn't shocked one bit. I wasn't shocked one bit when this when this information came out. Um, I, I think it's and and then you know when someone makes a comment like he did about uh, um, DeMaris Smith. And then, you know, basically the, his explanation told me everything I needed to know is that the intent was absolutely there. Um, you know, and his explanation was like, Oh, well, that's what we use in a term to dis describe someone who's caught in a lie. But the, but the sentence doesn't even um, infer that Smith was lying about anything. You just, all you did was insult his lips. There was, there was nothing, there was no reference to uh, a lie in there. So it was, it was a bad cover up. Um, and honestly, uh, racists are typically homophobic and sexist. Those things typically go hand in hand with each other. So seeing the rest of these emails, it was a hundred percent no surprise. Like I, that was just like, yeah, of course he was like, those are things that racists do. They're also, they're also 99% of the time homophobic and sexist. Like, you know, and, uh, I, one thing I hate is this like excuse or this defense that, uh, I don't have a racist bone in my body or, um, whatever. Well, why in the world would you ever refer to someone's lips then to describe them unless you were a racist. Like there's just, there's no other reason to, to throw that insult out there. Like it doesn't even make any sense. Um, you know, I mean, the next thing he's going to do is tell us that he's not homophobic or sexist. He can't deny those. Those were clear. And those ones were clear and obvious. I mean, he called um, Roger Goodell, the F word. Uh, he referred to, uh, he also uh, referred to Sam, um, I can't remember his name. Um, Sam, who was drafted by the Rams, the, the edge rusher who was drafted by the Rams, he referred to him as a queer. Um, and and there was there was many others. He, he complained about women refereeing NFL games as if that matters at all. You know what I mean? Like a like because I'm because someone's a woman, they don't know what a hold or a pass interference is. Like that doesn't even make any sense. Um, you know, it's just it's so outrageous that anyone can think like this uh you know and let alone someone who's in a position of power in the nfl over black people um and even a gay person um you know uh carl nassib is the first openly gay active nfl player on his own on his team and to to know that your coach feels that way about you is unbelievable, um, to be quite honest. And, you know, obviously sometimes you have your suspicions, but to just, to know it is unbelievable. Um, you know, and, and the bigger issue, and the bigger issue here is that he's not the only one who feels this way. That's mm. no, there's no secret about that. We know I like he was messaging another person in the NFL, Bruce Allen, Bruce Allen, God forbid, God, uh, thank God he's out of the league. Yeah. He was a, he was a terrible, terrible GM and president um, and also a terrible person, clearly. But thank God he's out of the league. But it just goes to show you he had someone to talk to about this stuff and, and vent those feelings. A high up person, person who makes decisions about black men. Mm -hmm. 
possibly gay men. You know what I mean? Like, what, there's, you know, Carl Nassib isn't the only active gay NFL player. If we're being right. quite honest, right? Like, like he's he's the most he's the only open active sure. NFL gay player. And like, it's just it's unbelievable, um, you know that that this kind of rhetoric is happening. I'm glad it was discovered. Um, yeah, but but John Gruden to me uh, has always been a terrible person. I've always sided with Keyshawn on that, uh, on, on his feelings about John Gruden. I never liked him. Um, here's here's some proof. I'll pull it up here on the screen. It's a tweet from January of 2018 when he signed a 10-year, $100 million contract. Uh, and in there, I said, Gruden finesse the Raiders. And uh, in the reply, it's not super clear on your screen if you're watching it. Uh, it says, after four years of the Raiders still not being average at best, they'll have to buy him out. They're mm. very fortunate that they didn't have to buy him out in this case. Yep. Uh, he did it to himself. But the timeline was right. This is his uh, – he, he signed with them in 2018. I think this is his third year um, as the Raiders head coach, but pretty close. Like, he's a terrible person. He was a super overrated coach. And uh, he'll never work in the NFL again, which is great. But I'd love to see the NFL weed out more of these racists uh, that they have within their ranks, if they actually care. I think they might have found this one by accident because this was actually uh, this was a um, uh, the 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 reason these emails were being searched and looked at was uh, a sexual misconduct mm -hmm. uh, or sexism uh, report uh, is what made them look into these emails. So you know. It is what it is, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's embarrassing, honestly, uh, for the NFL. But yeah, yeah uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. One of the things I was going to say is if if you were making a pool of of people, you know, fifteen years ago that you said, yeah, they're gonna get canceled, it, uh, John Gruden would have been towards the top of the list, a hundred percent. And he was, you know, the cancel thing, like. I've kind of been like an opponent of that sometimes, but like this wasn't canceling. Like he didn't get canceled. Like he's an actual homophobe, like racist. Like this is, you know, we've got proof in the emails. There was no uh, interpretation context that you could argue for him. And, I, and that's right. why he resigned right away. Now I think he should have resigned already after the first comments came out. Uh, but you know, sometimes it takes a little bit more and they found a little bit more. So, well, there's, there's always an excuse for racism. You can, you can, you can make up all the excuses you want. No one ever admits that they're a racist. Right. But like the, the homophobic and sexist tweets, because those weren't as abstract as the racist comment, you know what I mean? He, he could kind of, I think he thought he could explain the racist one away. He tried. The, he tried but, with uh, the, you know, rubber lips means lying is, yeah. is, is what he said. Well, I, no, I don't, I don't think that's don't never, think, no one's ever used that. Before. No one's ever heard. No one's ever said that. And, and you know, it's like these were like work emails he was sending. Like <laughs> Bruce Allen was using his work email, right? Like it's one thing. Like okay, like you know, we'll we'll never know a lot of these guys' true hearts. You know, we'll never know if they're really racist or homophobes. Like, uh, but I'm sure that a lot of them have had like conversations at bars that they probably would never want to get out in the public. Mm -hmm. But he put this shit in writing on a work. Email. He's an idiot. Like he's never gonna work in the NFL again. I don't think TV coaching. He's he he might disappear. I don't know if we we'll ever ever really hear of him again. We shouldn't. And he only really got the job because he was good on TV. So yeah, poetic, poetic. Just all right. Let's move on from that in that case uh, and start talking about the actual games. Absolutely. So let's start with uh, last night was the Monday night game um lamar jackson and the ravens were on primetime again um and they made a huge comeback um again in the fourth quarter lamar led them mark andrews uh snapped that's my boy type one strong uh and, and they really put the pause on them in the fourth quarter and in overtime so what do we make of the ravens now are we thinking that they're a real life contender because they were able to come back against the colts like this um, whew, they don't make it easy. I will say that. No, they don't. Um, really. and all of their games and pretty much all of their games this year, it's been a struggle for them for a lot of it. And, 
some Lamar Jackson late game heroics has bailed them out quite a bit mm-hmm. this year, um, which has been interesting to see. So, uh, but I mean, as far as if Lamar Jackson's going to play like this, first quarterback ever with over 40 pass attempts to throw to complete 86% of them. Uh, I mean, he was a surgeon last night yes. and, and granted this Colts defense hasn't been good. Um, you know, but regardless, Lamar Jackson was incredible. Uh, their passing schemes were better yesterday. Um, I thought their route trees were more complex and they, they were able to get uh, Hollywood moving in motion a lot. Mark Andrews was was wide open a lot. Um, and I think a lot of that was due to the, the scheme, the passing scheme that they were uh, going to there in the second quarter mm-hmm. on. Um, and that's really when they started to build a little bit of offensive momentum. Um, was in that second quarter, they had a bad, Lamar Jackson had a bad fumble in the red zone. Um, and if he doesn't, they probably don't have to come back from as much, but yes. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was an excellent display from Lamar Jackson and uh, I'm, the defense didn't look good though. That's a concern um, against the Colts offense. That's been pretty bad. And Carson Wentz has been pretty bad, but he looked great last night. Um and really, they shouldn't have struggled with this defense as much as they should. I think like a lot of these games are coming out thinking, man, I, I the Ravens had a, a very plus matchup and didn't really exploit it. Like they yes. haven't had a signature a signature win, like a blowout win against a decent team um, yet. Uh, the Chiefs was a good win, but they're sitting at two and three themselves. So you know. I'm not totally in on the Ravens. Uh, I think they still have offensive line issues. I don't think their defense is as stout as it once was either. So uh, I'm not totally in on them, but Lamar Jackson has been great. So if you want to apologize for your last no. podcast comments, that, that now would well, be the time to do it. What comments for this? Well, you know, here's the thing that we're forgetting that a lot of people are forgetting today as they think about this uh, game from last night that we saw. The Colts are terrible. The Colts yeah. are not a good team, okay? If we watched Lamar Jackson last night, it's no secret what Lamar Jackson does well and when he succeeds. If you can get any kind of pressure on him, he's not going to succeed. If you let him sit back with a four-man rush like the Colts did over and over and over again in the second half, he's going to be able to do some things because he's not a guy who's going to make a quick read and make the throw right away. But if you give him time and you let the play break down, the threat of his legs becomes more evident. And he's going to be able to eventually find people, guys like Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews, who are good at finding space. So I, don't, I wasn't very impressed. It wasn't like I was like watching it last night. Like, oh, like Lamar Jackson. Wow. Like he's really uh, taking a step here uh, into a pocket passer. And it's like, no, like I think the Colts are just pretty bad, right? The only team they've beaten so far is Miami. And Miami is pretty much just a, just a total mess. I'm not going to give the Ravens uh, brownie points here for beating a very bad team at home and, and taking overtime and a fourth quarter comeback to do it. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I would like to see their offensive performance from the second half continue. Um, I, I'm looking more, I, I understand, you know, weak defense, but from the, some of the things that they did were positive to me. Um, like, you know, moving Hollywood Brown around in the formation, um, they, they used him more in intermediate routes rather than just deep routes. Um, Mark Andrews is much more involved. I think he's kind of the key. I think they have to continue to, to get him open and involved. Um, you know, and, but defensively, other than like Owe, uh, who's been incredible to start the year, um, you know, this defense hasn't really been stout they were in the second half but again they, they gave up they lost the game they they, they they lost the game today the rodrigo blanket should miss the field goal that's true they gave up a game-winning drive in about 25 seconds to carson wentz's you know it's like <laughs> yeah yeah and he throws for 400 yards that's not impressive so uh i still have concerns about the ravens uh you know ravens fans probably aren't going to be happy about that i'm not panicking on them like i might be for other teams yeah we'll get to but uh yeah they, they should i wouldn't feel safe if i was the raven this is one where it's like hey we got out of here with a win but we definitely have things to work on yes and they've uh um put together a couple of those kinds of wins early in the season so uh maybe that's a good thing now maybe they need to get through that so okay let's go to the from the monday night game to the sunday night game which was bill's 
at Chiefs. Uh, this one was not close. Uh, the Bills were in control from the very beginning. Uh, Mahomes struggled uh, again, two interceptions, and this one was kind of all about Josh Allen. We, as a as a nation, we went from Mahomes lovers to Josh Allen lovers uh, with this game, along with Chris Collinsworth. So. Uh, are, are the Chiefs in serious trouble here, or are the Bills just this good? What do we make of this game? Yeah, the Chiefs are in serious trouble. Mm. Um, I don't think they're going to win their division. I think the Chargers are going to win this division out west. Um, and I said I wasn't going to panic if they lost this game because the Bills are really good. But they got they got destroyed. Yes. 38-20. to 20. Um, A Chiefs offense only being held to 20 points is concerning. Pat Mahomes turned it over three times cost me two separate fantasy wins. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest issue is is uh, Mahomes has struggled a little bit. And yes. I wonder if it's because this defense is so bad. You know, it's kind of like what we talked about for Russ last year, right, when he was on this incredible hot streak and then kind of fell off with turnovers. And I'm wondering if Pat Mahomes is suffering from the same thing to where he's trying so hard to keep up with other teams scoring that he's forcing bad plays um, and making bad bad decisions. Uh, they also have to abandon the run pretty early in games. Like he was their leader in rushing attempts yeah. with eight. Uh, you know, obviously Clyde Edwards Hilaire got hurt, but he had seven carries for 13 yards before that. And then Daryl Williams had five for 27. But so they, they really had to abandon the run pretty early in this game. And when you become one dimensional, because, you know, you know, what's, you know, what the other team is going to do, even for an offense as great as the chiefs, uh, when you're that one dimensional, you're much easier to stop. Mm. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing here. This, this chiefs team, this chiefs defense can't stop a nosebleed. Like, you know, whatever happens, they're giving up points on every drive. It, it, to this like it is has how yeah. it feels yeah and as a quarterback having to go on the field saying hey man if i don't score right here or put points on the board we're going to be down two to three scores by halftime and they were like you know what i mean like it's 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 gotten that bad for this defense and um that's why i think they'll make the playoffs still um as a wild card team but i don't see this team making a playoff run they can't stop the run the pass like they, their defense can't stop anything, um, and the offense is not um, explosive enough right now to make up for it. Like at this pace, they'd have that offense would need to average thirty-five plus points per game because their the defense is giving up thirty. Mm. And uh, you know when they have to throw it that much, I think that it cut, it gets harder for them to put up as many points as they are accustomed to. Are the Bills Super Bowl favorites? I don't know about favorites. Um, I think they're top three. Um, I think they're up there with, uh, with the Rams and the bucks. I think those are the three best teams. Mm, Rams over Cardinals. Yeah. You know, I, I like the Cardinals. I don't love Cliff Kingsbury though. Um, And I think coaching matters. Um, And, you know, I think those other two teams are also more battle tested, have more playoff experience, which I think will matter. And even the bills, you know, had a deep playoff run last year. So give me those three. I, I like the Cardinals as like fourth. Okay. Um, I do have them in my top five. I actually will have some power rankings coming out on Wednesday. So, oh, so stay tuned guys um, for those power rankings. But yeah, um, they're, they're up there. And I don't think there's a clear cut contender right now. I don't think there's anyone where it's like that team's winning at all. No, um, but I think the bills, not. I think the bills, the Rams, um, the bucks, and I, I'd throw the Cardinals, uh, in there and in, in the consideration and possibly the Browns. I think a lot would have to go their no. way as far as not having I put the Ravens over the Browns, actually. Yeah. I, I put mean, the, I put the char- chargers I like and the Cowboys chargers. and even the Cowboys, man. Cowboys are, what about the pack? I mean, Packers. Okay. So let's, let's, let's narrow this down. Let's do this quickly. Sorry. So we've got one, two, three, four, I'd say. I, th- I got, call those four tier one. We've got five tier one, right? We got Bills, which is the only team in the AFC we're putting in this tier one right now. And then we've got Bucks, Rams, Cardinals. And then would you include the Packers in that tier one? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I, okay. I don't think they're in that. In that so then they're in that tier two with Cowboys, um, Chargers, 
and Ravens probably. And Browns. Browns. Yeah. Okay. The Browns too. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's good. Let's move on. We'll start with my team, the Steelers, who got back on track this week. Uh, they beat uh, Teddy Bridgewater's Broncos. Um, ended up being close at the end, coming down to an interception on the last drive there to keep um, Denver out of the end zone. They would have needed a two-point conversion as well. Uh, so Steelers get right um, with this game. Are the Steelers back on track? I think so. Um, yeah. They got a little. They got a little healthier. Got some guys back. Um, although they lost Juju for the rest of the season. Um, but other than that, I was encouraged by the offense. Um, Big Ben looked better. Right, he said he needed to be better, and I thought he, he was. Did. He did. Um, you guys ran the ball incredibly, which honestly, I think that was the biggest shock to me. Um, Najee Harris had twenty-three carries, one hundred and twenty-two yards, and a touchdown, five mm-hmm. yards a carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you really look at it, the Steelers, throughout their history of success, have been a run yes. first team that plays defense and typically has. Uh, at least in this modern era, has had Ben Roethlisberger to to make all the throws. You know what I mean? Like which he he typically could do. Now that ha- the Ben Roethlisberger part hasn't been the case, and because the offensive line has been so bad, they haven't quite been able to run it like they have um, like they like they did this week. But if this Steelers team runs the ball like that on a yep. consistent basis, that's a team that can that can make the playoffs because they have all the talent. The defense is is clearly good enough, uh, you know, to hold down the fort. Um, they have an excellent pass rush, good secondary, good linebacker. Um, if they can run the ball, control a little more clock, I think that opens things up and makes life easier on Ben. Um, you know, you protect him as a passer. Um, you know, I, it starts up front with the offensive line. You can do those things. This Steelers team could definitely be back on track. I think I think we're getting back on track, and we saw the difference uh, this week. I mentioned it on last week's show. TJ Watt is just such a game changer uh, for this defense. Really, everything revolves around him because if he's there getting pressure, the offense for their team has to function in a completely different way, a way that they really don't want to. He's getting in the backfield. So that defense is totally different with him. Uh, ben was okay this week. Yeah, he didn't make any uh, mistakes. Actually, he did make a couple of mistakes that got dropped by linebackers. He did he did throw the ball to linebackers twice, but they dropped him both times. So kind of got lucky there. Uh, but but for the most part, he he did okay, and he, he didn't uh, turn it over, so that was good. Najee Harris, rookie of the year right now. It's him and Jamar Chase, I'd say, are the two fighting for, for that award. And um, I, I typically would lean running backs are uh, – more in line to win something like that, but Chase is snapping, so who knows how it's going to go uh, yeah. these last these last eleven weeks. But um, I, I would say I look at this team, and you know we've got Seattle this week at home Sunday night. Geno Smith going to be starting um, for the Seahawks, so I think that we should be able to hold Geno Smith to under seventeen points, yeah. uh, and I think that that means that's going to be a win for us. And then we're back to five hundred with a big matchup against Cleveland that can really kind of set the direction for the rest of the year. But uh, if we come out of this, you know, four and three after that Cleveland game, it's only going to be up from there because you got Chicago at home and Detroit at home. It could be the start of a streak, which is exactly what I laid out uh, last week. Now this is only step one of that streak. uh, So I don't want to, I don't want to toot my horn yet, but I don't know the way it's shaping up with Seattle next week. It could, it, it could, it could be something. So I'm, I'm feeling better about the Steelers after this week. Of course, um, even though it was a little bit closer than what I hoped for, uh, I, I do like the way that the team is trending, especially, you know, the offense and the blocking. So, okay. Uh, your turn with your team, the Eagles, who nice little win here this week, uh, at Carolina. This was a good win for them. Uh, and, and this has, has them right in the mix. Now they're, they're you know, two and three. They're certainly not out of it. Uh, what'd you see this week from your boys? I saw a resilient team this week, um, which uh, for a team with a lot of young guys is very encouraging. Um, A team that was down four starters on the offensive offensive. No, three, I'm sorry. Three starters on the offensive line. No Lane Johnson, no Brooks, um, no Samalo. Uh, We did have Kelsey and Mylata came back just in time as uh, Lane Johnson left. Um, and and all, honestly, early on, they did, they looked awful offensively. Um, for whatever reason, uh, we had 
no ability to throw the ball beyond the line of scrimmage or weren't willing to. I don't, we were in a, a zillion screens. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. There was a, at some point throughout the game, uh, Jalen Hurts had like zero air yards per target on like, like double digit pass attempts. It was brutal. Mm. Um, and seems like they got a know, lot of faith in him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the play calling has not been good for the last few weeks, but um, regardless, Jalen Hurts pulled this thing out. Um, you know, he kind of took the game over with his legs late, uh, had a couple of rushing touchdowns, uh, and the defense was incredible. Um, I think we got to give give a kudos to this defense they, who lost Brandon Graham, a, a key member of this defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Fletcher Cox was a little banged up throughout this game as well. Um, but Javon Hargrave has been incredible, and the secondary was good. Forced three interceptions on uh, your guy Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. So they kept us alive long enough uh, for the offense to figure it out um, and put some points on the board. And to me, uh, you know, if we can grind out wins like this against a good Panthers team, that's a good team, despite them losing two straight now. Um, you know, it gives me a lot of hope that we can at least get through our division, which is pretty bad. Uh, and and really, that's in the NFC East. That's all you really have to do is kind of get through the division. Um, now, if the Cowboys keep playing the way they've been playing, yeah. that probably won't be enough. But um, you know, I was impressed, and and really, uh, I owe Jalen Hurts an apology. I was actually throughout the game after I think his uh, his his pick that he threw down the sideline, uh, the only one he threw all game. I, I messaged in our family group message. I said, "Listen, I." Jalen Hurts might not be it. Like, and I wasn't, I'm not out on him. I'm not out on him. Um, and, and, but I'm not in on him. You no. know I mean? The, the jury is absolutely definitely not out. that. Um, like he says, I think he has a great quote. He says, every week the rent is due. And it still is. The rent is still due for Jalen Hurts. He knows it. He's um, got some but, quotes, man. He, he's got, he can give some quotes. Yeah, well, you know, one two weeks ago. You, and you know what? Um, if, if, Right now, he's not a great NFL passer, right? Like, yeah. he's he's probably even a below-average thrower. I'd like say so. pocket quarterback right now. Um, but what he is is a leader. Mm-hmm. That guy's a leader. Um, and he's a, he's a leader by example. Um, he doesn't say a lot, but when he says things, they are impactful. Uh, Devontae Smith was actually talking with reporters after the game about how Jalen Hurts was the one on the sideline saying, hey, man, this thing isn't over. We're still in it. Was picking teammates up. Like, the one thing Jalen Hurts is is a leader. Um, and I think that's the edge that he has over his predecessor, which was Carson Wentz. Uh, these guys fight for him. Like Lane Johnson, uh, you know, had that uh, that bro barn thing going with him all all offseason. Um, I think they see how hard he works and, and even the understanding that he might not be a finished product yet. Um, they're willing to go to war with him. And I think that's honestly the most important trait you need to have as a quarterback is getting your guys to go to war with you. Um, and obviously the legs that he has doesn't hurt either. Uh, that, that really helps, but you know, I have faith in him as a leader. I think there's going to be bumps in the road Mm -hmm. for him as a quarterback, as a thrower. Um, and, and we need to be patient. Luckily this upcoming QB draft class is not good. So I don't think they're going to find a quarterback better than him in this upcoming draft class, but, uh, and that might buy him some time to continue his development throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, I think you I think you summed it up well there. I'm not in on Jalen Hurts, but I'm not out on Jalen Hurts yet anyway. It is not Minshew time. Um, and, I'd like and, them to help him with some with some better play calling though. Yeah, the play calling, but you know, they, they got Sanders a little bit more involved uh yeah. this week, you know, opposed to the past couple of weeks where he's basically been uh non existent. And yeah, timely turnovers. That was kind of the the story here for them. That's how they end up winning this game, is getting those three picks. Secondary came up big, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's. It, I think Dallas is probably a little better than we gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. So I don't think it's going to be an eight and seven winner of the division. You're probably going to have to do a little bit better if you want to take it from them, assuming Dak stays healthy. Um, so, so okay, let's do week six. Pick them then. We'll do pretty much rapid fire. Uh, so we've been doing this the past three weeks, and you actually went through and tallied up the totals. So as it sits right now, going into this week. Coop is 32 and 15, and I am 31 and 16. So he's one game up on me. It's pretty close, actually. Uh, but he is one game up. So we're going to do it this week and keep track. We're going to start keeping track 
for for you guys to follow along. So, okay, are you ready to go? And we'll include the Thursday night game this week. Yes. Okay. All right. Bucks at your Eagles on Thursday night. Yeah. Um, this is the one where I actually think Jayla Hurts is going to have a good game. Oh. And this one, the Bucks secondary has been pretty leaky. But. Oh, no faith. I'm going to pick the Bucks. I was wrong for picking against my Eagles last week, but I don't feel super confident in taking them against a team that I consider a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be a tough one for us. Uh, I, I'm going to take the Bucks here. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bucks as well. I just can't imagine, you know, the Bucks defense has not looked that good. That secondary, you, you mentioned it, not what we were expecting. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't think Hertz is the guy to expose that. And if they're going to lean on the running game, it's going to be kind of a struggle against Tampa. Tampa, I, I don't think Brady's going to throw the three picks that Darnold did. Uh, so I'm going to go with Tampa as well. Okay, so the the London game, great London game. Two weeks in a row, we're getting great London game. Last week we got the Jets and the Falcons. This week, uh, you know, you get your popcorn ready for this one. We've got the Dolphins and the Jags. Oof. Um, sheesh, man. I, I don't know who to take yeah. in this. Uh, I think Tua's availability matters here, okay. but uh, give me the Dolphins. I just, I, I, I'm sure the Jags will get a win eventually, but like, and if there was a week for them to get it, I, maybe this is it, but maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think the Dolphins are that bad. So I, I'm going to take, yeah, the I'm going to take the Dolphins as well. The Jags are a mess. I also think it's hilarious that this, should have been an easy travel week for these teams, and the NFL right. sent them to London. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm gonna go with the Dolphins here. They are a better team. They do have a better defense. Jags are just just a mess. So okay, we'll t- both take the Dolphins. No differences yet. Uh, Green Bay at Chicago. This actually has become kind of a fun one with uh, Fields. Yeah, um, not from a fantasy perspective um, for me. But uh, and it's weird how they really don't run him a lot. Mm-mm. I don't know. It still doesn't seem like they understand their quarterback runs a four four. But I digress. Um, give me the Packers here. I'm still not really sold on the Bears' offense, um, although their defense has been excellent. Yeah. And I think this is actually going to be a lower scoring game. Um, but I think Aaron Rodgers makes enough plays for them to pull out the win. Yeah, and this Bears defense is actually good. And, you know, this game is actually for first place, right? If Chicago wins this game, yeah, uh, they, they are in first place. I'm going to go with Green Bay here just because Rodgers has had a lot of success at Soldier Field. Yeah. Uh, he's used to playing against a good defense there. Uh, and I'm not sure Fields is ready to, to beat a pretty good Green Bay defense, actually. So yeah. I'm going to go with the Packers as well. Um, okay, next one, we got Cincinnati coming off the heartbreaking loss they had to the Packers last week uh, in Detroit. They're looking for their first win. Yeah, um, I'm going to take the Bengals as well. Okay. Uh, I think the Lions put up a fight, though. I think they put up a fight. They keep it close. Uh, spreads only three and a half, only three which and I half. think is accurate. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a good number. I'm going to take the Lions. I'm, I'm going to wow. take the, I, I, I think that the wheels are going to fall off the Bengals pretty soon here. It might have started last week. I just don't think that they're a team that's going to finish above 500. The Lions have been close in a lot of these games. Uh, and, and you think about, the, you know, they want to get a coach. They want to get a win for their new head coach who's been so close uh, yeah. multiple times now, and he just hasn't been able to do it. I think Cincinnati's a team that can do it. And I think Goff's going to be able to move the ball against uh, this Bengal defense. So I'm going to take are, are these the two most suffering franchises in NFL history. Well, it, it depends what you mean by suffering because, like, Detroit never even made it anywhere. Like, they were never good. So, like, it's yeah. like, is that more suffering than, like, okay, you have, like, the Bills who lost four Super Bowls in a row. Like, what would you rather do? Like, that's suffering. Or, like, the Browns who have had, yeah. like, such a history of losing, getting close oh, and yeah, losing. Oh, yeah, the Browns. Yeah. So, there, there's some good – there's some good. I wouldn't put Cincy in there. I would put Detroit in there though. Yeah, yeah. Detroit is top is t- is number one. I think on that list because they've I never so. ever even given you a glimmer of hope. Maybe no. the Browns are two, even though they've been good. Like last year, they were good. I I think. Yeah. You know they've been good. That whole that, that jersey with all the quarterback names on it is just that's undefeated. It's that's, crazy. 
<laughs> Washington's up there as well. So, all right, let's do uh, next one is Houston at Indy. Indy big favorites here. Uh, yeah, give me the Colts here. Um, coming off of what should have been a win, I think they they get one here yeah. against the Texans. Yeah, I think that they they need this one. Davis Mills played pretty well last week against the Patriots, but he, he uh, I don't think that continues. Colts. I don't. I think they view themselves as a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, even if they're not that good, and they take this game seriously and win. All right, Rams at Giants. Possibly, probably no Danny Dimes. I'm going to go with the Rams, of course. Yeah, possibly no Danny Dimes. Definitely no Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Um, I don't think Kadarius Tony could punch enough Rams players. Mm. He was bawling uh, before that. He really was. And, of course, I have him in two fantasy leagues. He was nice. doing it on my bench uh, while balling out like that. But, of course. But, yeah, let me let me get the Rams here. Okay. All right. Uh, Casey at Washington. Kind of a must-win game for both teams. Yeah, but the Chiefs are the better team, and Washington's defense has weirdly been terrible. Um, and I don't think their offense is potent enough to – make this a, a ridiculous shootout that Patrick Mahomes can't keep up with, um, especially a Chiefs team that will be looking to bounce back. Yeah. Give me the Chiefs. Give me the points. They have a seven-point spread. Give me the points. Seven-point spread, need to yeah. Back that. I think the Chiefs have a 45-piece in this one. And I'll take the Chiefs yeah. as well. All right, Minnesota at Carolina. This is a good matchup here. Yeah, um, with the Panthers reeling, uh, I think – I think I'm going to take the Vikings in this one. Okay. Um, you know, they were a little shaky against the Lions, but everybody's actually been a little shaky against the Lions. So I'm not going to hold that against them too much. Um, but Sam Darnold's struggling lately. Um, three picks this week. He had two against the Cowboys the week prior. Um, he got off to a hot start and has not been great the last couple of weeks, though. Uh, I think the Christian McCaffrey loss is weighing on him. That also matters here. I think if Christian McCaffrey plays – I probably change my pick. Um, you know what? Give me the Panthers. Give me the Panthers. I think McCaffrey comes back this week. I'm gonna do a. Oh, okay. I'm gonna do so a you're saying McCaffrey. Yeah, I'm gonna. But you're sticking McCaffrey's with playing. the Panthers, no, even yeah. if he doesn't play. You got regardless. Yeah, I can't change. I can't flip flop. I'm gonna. You can't change it. You can't change oh, it. Yeah, give me the Panthers. Give me the Panthers. Okay. 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 I, I'm gonna take. Um, this is a tough. This is a tough one to pick. Actually, because we don't really know if Dalvin's going to play either. Not that running backs are super important, but at least I mean, they actually have Especially when they have teams. Alexander Madison has been a beast. Who was kind of snapping. Yeah. yeah he, he can do everything Dalvin Cook can do. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Vikings here. I'm going to go with the Vikings. Darnold's in You're trouble. Right. I think the yeah. Vikings defense is, is, pretty, is pretty good, and I think that they you know make him make some mistakes and – uh, Vikings get back to 500, which they desperately need to. Yeah. Would you okay. like to revisit um, your Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold opinion? No. They have okay. the same record. Why would I revisit that right now? Oh, because Teddy Darnold's Bridgewater has thrown six so picks. Oh, no. I disagree. I disagree. We'll have that debate at a later time, though. Darnold's got six picks so far. Oh, lost it. Lucky. Left the podcast because he couldn't take the heat about being wrong. So for those of you who do not know, uh, we had a debate during Sean's bachelor party weekend uh, about who's better, Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. I said right now Teddy Bridgewater is better, but Sam Darnold has more upside. Uh, and Sam Darnold has been terrible the last two weeks, despite coming out uh, or getting off to a hot start. He's been terrible. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater has actually been – pretty good for the Broncos this year. Um, so, yeah, I took Bridgewater. He took Darnold. We'll see how that plays out for the rest of the year here. We'll, we'll bring it back in so he can tell us uh, why he left. Did uh, too, mu too much heat there, man. Too much heat. I had to leave the kitchen. But but I was what I was going to say was <laughs> in order to throw six picks, you have to you have to throw the ball more than six yards down the field. <laughs> Uh, which which Teddy does oh, not come do. on. So it's gonna it's gonna be tough for him to to throw picks. So um, okay, I, I've got <laughs> the Vikings here though. Can you can you uh, lead the rest of the way on the pick'em? Yes, yes. 
Um, so next up we have Chargers and Ravens, both teams four and one. That's gonna be a good one. That is a really good one. Yeah, this is probably in Baltimore, my favorite, by the way. Probably my favorite matchup uh, this week. I'm going with Baltimore here. Uh, I think that the Chargers really struggled to stop the run last week against the Browns, um, yeah. and it's going to be more of the same this week with with Baltimore. So I think the Ravens are going to be able to control it. I can't. I mean, I really like that offense for the Chargers. I just can't imagine they can keep up this level of production. Uh, so give me the Ravens. I am also going to take the Ravens, um, even though I think the Chargers are the better team. Yeah. Um, they're, my, my biggest factor here is the West Coast to East Coast travel. It travel matters. Um, I talk, when, we pick, when I pick the Browns and Chargers game, I pick the Chargers because of that travel. And I'm going to, do, I'm going to take the Ravens here because I, you know, I think they're as good, if not better, than the Browns. Um, with the Chargers having to make that same trip. So, yeah, give me some Baltimore Ravens going to 5-1 and one here. Okay. Uh, next up, oh, this should be a good one as well. 3-2 and two Browns at home against the undefeated Cardinals. Who you got in this one? You're in charge here. Can you can you repeat that at first? Yeah, I, I got got the Browns in this one. Browns here uh, against the Cardinals. I think the Browns are able to control the clock, um, and the Cardinals have that running game, that two-headed monster they have. Baker sucks, um, but I don't think that they need him that much. And I think the winning streak ends for Arizona. I'm going to go with the Browns. Yep, uh, especially with the Browns being at home. I do like the Browns uh, in this one. I think the Cardinals come back down to earth a little bit. Um, and for all the reasons you just mentioned, I think the run game will be a bit much. And this might be one of the tougher defenses that the Cardinals see. The, the Browns' defense, other than getting lit up by yes. the Chargers, who have an incredible offense, if we're being quite honest. But, um, you know, this will be one of the tougher defenses that they see all year. So, yeah, give me the Browns at home in that one. Um, Raiders and Broncos, two teams in the, in the AFC West sitting at three and two, uh, Raiders going through a coaching change midweek. Uh, well, I guess early in the week, but, uh, what are you thinking Broncos at home against the Raiders? Um, I've got the Broncos right now and distraction. So give me the Broncos. I agree. At home, too much distractions going on in that Raiders locker room. I think that one might actually get ugly. Um, I think, you know, just because of the lack of focus that there might be in that Raiders locker room. Uh, next one we got is Cowboys on the road in New England against uh, against the two and three Patriots. Who are you taking in this one? I've got the impressed with the Patriots at all this week. I'm not sure that they can stop that Cowboys offense, which looks pretty much unstoppable now. So I've got Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys there as well. They're the clear-cut better team in that matchup. So I'll take the Cowboys. Uh, next one, Sunday night. Uh, game you kind of alluded to earlier, so I think I know that you're taking the Steelers over the Seahawks at home, right? Correct. Easy pick. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm also going to take the Steelers there. Um, no Russell Wilson on the road. Sunday night football Steelers turning in the right direction. Give me some Steelers there. And last but certainly not least, Monday night uh, in Tennessee, the Titans taking on the Buffalo Bills. Titans in that three and two. Uh, got back on track with a win this week. AJ Brown healthy again, possibly getting Julio back. You think they have a chance to upset the Bills at home here? Taking the Titans at home, uh, big game for 
I really like this type, especially at home. Uh, and I'm not 100% sold at the Bills. You know, I, th- I think the last week was more the than the Bills. So I got to- um, this is a tough one for me. I think Julio playing will matter a lot, um, in that one. Cause they're going to need as much offensive firepower as they can get. Titans defense isn't good enough for me here to pull off this upset. So I'm going to take the bills. Um, I think they're the better team, even though they're on the road. I like the bills in that one. So, so, we right. disagreed on three games then? Disagreed on the Panther-Viking game, the Bills-Titans? Correct. Yes. So, you know, we'll see who remains at the top of our, uh, you know, pick them win percentage. We should do something to see, like, end of the year who, you know, we should have some kind of, uh, some kind of bet to see who has the uh, the highest win percentage at the end of the year. Uh, but yeah, that wraps up today's show. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the All In Podcast. Um, we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in each week. Uh, don't forget, if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button right there on your screen. Uh, that way, uh, and make sure you turn on post notifications. That way, you know when we're going live, when new content drops, um, you know, things like that. Make sure you follow us on social media at all underscore in underscore pod on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, all in network, uh, and YouTube, all in network as well. Um, you can also find our Facebook page uh, where uh, our uh, live streams or episodes will now be available on all audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, all those kind of things. Uh, They will also be available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and now Twitch. So make sure you follow us at, uh, on Twitch, all underscore in underscore pod on Twitch. uh, So you can watch us on any of those platforms and listen to us on any of those audio platforms. We've got a new website up. Uh, It's at podpage.com slash the all in podcast. Uh, you can find that link on our social media feeds as well on Twitter and Facebook. Um, you can find all of our uh, audio platforms, our YouTube channel, and even uh, some upcoming blog posts. As I mentioned earlier, I'll be doing our weekly power rankings starting back up this week. Um, so week five power rankings coming out later this week. So stay tuned. Uh, thank you guys once again and have a great night. <laughs>